welcome to the Halftime Mike Podcast, presented by basketball fan and Hoosier native Mike Gingrich, where practical, no-nonsense resourcing on social media, business marketing, and life is presented, because the adjustments made at halftime help you win the game in the second half. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being with us here today. This is Mike Gingrich and the Halftime Mike Livecast. This is live on Blab, and we're doing it also as a podcast. So pleased today to have with me Liz Asian. Is a, she's a UK-based social media pro styler. She's going to talk about that, pro styler. <laughs> she'll, she'll say more about that, but suffice it to say, she helps people with um, rising entrepreneurs style and leverage their online presence to attract the right clients. We all want the right clients and to build their brand online. So this is what we're going to talk about today is her story of growing Digital Matchbox, her social media agency. So I'm looking forward to that. She's done it. She's been there. She's on that growth curve. And um, But I think what is unique about Liz is, and, and she'll weave this into her story, is that uh, she, we're talking about multiple countries. Uh, we're talking about moving from different places, and I think that's a you know kind of a key part of your story that shows that you're adaptable, that uh, that you learn on the go, and uh, you know from an early age, uh, starting out in Canada, and then you know, um, I guess Malaysia is actually home, right? And then and then it was Canada, and then the UK. So so you have adapted, you have moved. So welcome, Liz. Thank you for having me, Mike. Excited to be here. All right. Yes, folks, uh, we're going to be recording this. We're going to have this uh, the questions live. You'll be able to ask questions. We hopefully bring some people in at the end. But, um, Liz, why don't we talk a little bit about your background and the background of starting online, kind of, you know, that taking that plunge, I think the year 2009, I want to say, for you. So maybe, maybe start there a little bit about uh, how you got online. Okay, cool. So basically, I started um, because of the need for my research, because at the time in 2009, I was actually here in the UK, I was doing my PhD in social media and government. And um, I was, I think, in my third year at that point. Oh, not my third year, my first, maybe 18 months. And usually around this time is what you do is you start going in the field, you start interviewing people. And obviously, the people I needed to interview were public sector workers. And um for some reason, I think it might be because, you know, I'm in a different country. I don't quite understand how to reach out to people. It's a totally different culture and all that stuff. So I um, I had trouble, you know, getting people to, to be interviewed. And, you know, as you say, without any people, any participants in your study, how are you ever going to come up with any research, right? There's no data. So I was like, I had a huge, huge problem. So I kind of, you know, just you know, started asking people around, what should I do and all that. And I, I actually got introduced to this one guy who was working not in government, but, you know, with government. And he said, you know what, this was 2009, mind you. And I think even that time I had a Twitter account, but I never, ever used it. So uh, he said, why don't you go on Twitter? Here's a list of 15 people who work in government. Um, I don't know what you're gonna you can do with it, but they're pretty cool people. Maybe you should just go in there, chat with them. And I'm like, what's this? You know, weird way of connecting with public sector workers. It's like, oh, that's a bit weird. But I'm gonna try it because you know I gotta kind of hit a wall. Right. And I I went in there, and people were so welcoming. And 
Twitter was a whole different space then, mind you. There's not a lot of people then. <laughs> so there weren't like a lot of spam and there were like genuine people who were coming together in a community and chatting about how to make things better. And mind you, at this time, the public sector, anyone or any department that had a Twitter account or any social media account, they were under the radar. Like they were doing it without the permission of their you know, their their superiors, they just wanted to try things out because it was so risky then that nobody wanted to really talk about it. It wasn't mainstream at all. And it was so interesting because people were blogging about it. And even though they you say that it's on the internet, it's publicly available. I mean, these were like small communities. No one really noticed what was going on except if you connect with the right people, right? So these 15 people that I had were the right people because they were interacting with each other, talking about the problems they were having and all that. So within, say, I think I think within a, one month I was on it connecting with them, I realized everyone was tweeting their blog links. And I thought, huh, this is pretty cool, this blog thing. You know, this is 2009, not a lot of people blogged. So I thought, you know what, why don't I blog about what I'm researching? So people kind of can know what I'm about in a way and know about my research. And, you know, it's really, really shameful to say now, but my first blog was literally one sentence with an embed of a YouTube video. And that was it. That was it. I was like, oh, I don't know what, what to do, what to say. I'll just, like, embed this video that I think has to do with my research. Yeah. And that was literally it. And then from there, I kind of, like, started blogging a little bit more. I tweeted out the link, and people retweeted it. And then kind of, like, six months down the line, and... I think at an average of maybe blogging twice a week, uh-huh. just just saying to people, "Oh, I found out this council or this fed, you know department in government is using Facebook, or this these people are using Twitter," and for some reason that brought people together. Just knowing someone else was doing something, but that also okay. brought me to the platform as well. Like people were starting to like, "Oh, who's this person?" Actually, bringing people together and yeah. t- sharing stories, right? You were the connector. Exactly. And I didn't mean to be. I just, I just kind of like, well, I kind of just, int- I was genuinely interested. It was my research topic. And it was just kind of exploded from there. And mind you, my Twitter account was always on private until I think two years ago. Only then I opened it. Okay. So this was the other amazing part of it. And I, that's why I always believe that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're on private or not. If you have the community and you're, you have, you're giving out value. People will come to you, you know what I mean? It's like nothing's going to stop them from wanting to get to know you. So um, after the six months, you know, people know me now. People see the value that I'm giving. I'm sharing with them my data. You know, this is without even finishing my PhD. I'm sharing with them what I'm finding out. Yeah. They totally see the value. So they um, one day I put up a doodle calendar and I said, guys, I'm doing a research. I'm a research student. I need 20 people to interview. Actually, I didn't even say what number, I think. I, I think I just said, I need to interview some of you that work in government that are like webmasters. Because at this time, webmasters were the one that holds the key to social media right. in all the departments, not like communications department. At this time, exactly. It was the tech team at that time. So I was like, okay, if you fit this criteria, just go to Doodle Calendar, fill in the date that you can speak to me on Skype or we could meet somewhere in London or something. And, you know... I'll, I'll just literally tweet it that and you know people who really kind of knew what I was doing they retweeted me and you know spread the word and within I think two weeks I interviewed 20 people so I was like that 
to me was huge right. that just shows right the power of social media and the power of connecting to people genuinely and also giving value um and all that time i didn't know that was what i mean that wasn't my goal going there i i just wanted to solve a problem but i got immersed in the community that i thought okay six months is gone i wasn't thinking six months but i was thinking you know what now they know me and i feel comfortable enough to ask for a favor basically that's how i saw it as like i feel like i'm in a in a situation where i can ask for help so so you were doing a little bit of a uh, gary vaynerchuk jab 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 right yeah. hook before the book right exactly yes yes and this is that before the book as well <laughs> so when that book came out i was so excited because I, I do that's what i do exactly i lived it and um but that's not all i mean that was the first problem i had the second problem i had was i was in this country based um by a government scholarship. So at some point, the government scholarship will stop because they only do until a few few years, right? And then they're like, you have to support yourself or um, you have to come back and you can't stay in the UK anymore and you write the, the thesis back home. So I was like, I don't want to leave. I want to stay here. <laughs> like, So um, I basically said to people, I literally tweeted, I said, um, guys, uh, I need a job, like a full-time job, and not just that, I need a sponsor to, to give me a work permit so I could stay in the country, so I could continue being here and continue doing my research here. So it, the amazing thing about that was people started retweeting, and I think somebody said to me, Liz, the only way we can help you is if we could write you a LinkedIn testimonial, right? Because that way we could then show tell people what you know why they should hire because not everybody get, is going to be able to give you a job but they want to help right so one person did it he he dm'd me on twitter it's like i want to write your testimonial okay i said all right let me spruce up my linkedin because it was nothing and i had to kind of just make things up and some i said to someone well i don't work anywhere i'm a student like what job should i put on this thing so, well, Liz, your blog is like your brand. You should put your blog as your company. And you are the CEO of your company. And we'll write a review as if we're like your clients or something. And I was like, wow, I would have never thought about that. And it's amazing how people kind of help you solve your problems on social media. Like they, they awesome. give you, they inspire you, right? Yeah. And um, so I did that. And I said, okay, guys. Uh, somebody told me to do this and um, he wrote me and that one guy he wrote really glowing review like it's not like a short review it's like a really long testimonial and I literally cried just reading what he wrote um, because I didn't realize how much value I was giving to these people so after that I tweeted and said if anybody else wanted to you know is kind enough to write a few words you know I'd be so appreciative and then 20, I think 27 other people followed or something. It was like humongous. Awesome. And I was like literally crying for days, I think, because it was kind of happened within a week because I said, you know, this thing has to happen quick. If not, you know, I think within two weeks, I, I had to pack my bags if I didn't wow. get okay. a job. Yeah, it was pretty. <laughs> Talk about, you know, being under pressure. Yeah. Uh, so in I got like in the end after that, um, I think like six six proper interests in in hiring me. I think three of them three of them were like final 
went to interview, went through the process and all that. Did those come in, like, did they contact you via LinkedIn? No, they came in from Twitter. Okay. Surprisingly. Yeah, they came from Twitter. And um, it was really amazing because, you know, that doesn't really happen in real life. Like, that doesn't, in in that, I think, like, one, one to two weeks sort of time span, that doesn't really happen. And then so after that, um, there was one that was like really, really like is one thing to be interested to hire me and then actually give me a salary that will sustain me in this country. Because, you know, with the visa here, you need to earn a certain amount of money. It's not so it's like it's, this is like huge hurdles I'm trying to overcome here. I'm not just asking for a job. It needs to be a certain salary and then it needs to be sponsored. And then the sponsor needs to have a sponsor license. So you can see this is a huge oh, wow. process. Yeah. So in the end, what was really interesting was I ended up with a job with somebody that um, was one of the first 15 people I, I followed on Twitter. Okay. And I thought that was kind of really amazing because if it went full circle, right? It's like, wow, I'm back to the original 15 people I connected with. And um, so that was like, I am amazed at what social media can do. Um, And from that, I mean, I did that job. I was also got a lot of other jobs as well on top of that. I actually didn't even mention in between the um, wanting to get this job. I also got a lot of freelancing jobs. Um, you know, at this time I was paid to tweet at events, which is bizarre. I like kind of flew all over the world. People just wanted me to be there and be the voice of their events. And this is when people, I don't think at this time, 2009, 10 people were paid to do this sort of thing, but it, it was what I did. I was that part was amazing to me right there yeah. was with as how how that evolved so so you you were somehow i mean your activity on twitter uh sparked their attention enough that they wanted to bring you in to live tweet at, at their events yeah i know i still can't i still can't believe in myself i'm just like why right like but i think it has something to do with um the community i think they saw that the community trusted my voice and this is all about the personal branding part of it isn't it It, it's not just having somebody there tweet but having somebody there that could convey the message in a way that they think people will listen to or people will will attract people because you know uh, events is all about getting bums on seats right so it's about creating the buzz and creating the enthusiasm and you know it's not just about and it wasn't a job for me. It was really, I was really passionate about the topic as well. So I think that was another thing. I was really passionate about getting government to use social media. And I was like, come on, guys, let's do it. And they're like banning social media left, right and center. And like, this was like such an exciting time for me to be there because it was so challenging that it just made me more and more driven to kind of go in there. It's like not just cut, tell them to use social media, but to tell them to say, you know, this is just a platform that you can listen in on, you know, what citizens are, you know, what troubles they have, how you can help them. It's just another avenue to really understand how you could serve people better. And that's what I really wanted because I was in a country that was foreign to me. And I, that was kind of my main motivation. I said, how do I, how can I integrate better into this country? Because, you know, I was kind of like more stay at home type of person. I, I don't go out much. So I'm connecting with people online. So how do I do this? So that was kind of like my personal 
motivation as well. I just wanted to help in that sense. Yep, yep. So, I mean, you know, so we're we're tweeting to now we're being asked to come to events to live tweet all all and then so we're educating, we're connecting people, and um, ultimately some of that live tweeting led into speaking. Yes, and and you were saying that uh, you're not necessarily the out there type of person, but now you're being asked to do events and, 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 and speak at them. And these are government type events about social media? Yes, yes. That was another thing that I think was amazing. I went from kind of behind the scenes to actually be asked to stand in front of people, which is terrifying for me. But I thought, oh my gosh, just to be asked um, is, is just mind boggling to me that how I progressed from being behind the scenes to, you know, behind not behind the scenes, but I think behind the screen even, yeah, you know, like, you, behind, you know what I mean? Like, how did, how did that happen? But, I mean, I, I also wrote papers, white papers for, um, for organizations that actually produced uh, a lot of academic papers that I used to quote. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's kind of like, how did that happen? This, these were the papers that I would reference in my literature review. And now I'm actually writing one. How, like, I, it was amazing. I was just like, I can't believe some of the stuff that's happened. But it just showed me that you could do anything, right? And that's uh, the power of social media is, I wouldn't even say social media. It's just the power of people being able to connect on a platform that breaks down all the barriers. I think that's what's the most important thing. Like when I'm connecting with people, especially when I was in government, I was connecting with high level people. And sometimes I even forget to look at their bio and I'm like, wow, she's the kind of this big person in government. And I didn't even realize it because we were just chatting about coffee or we were just chatting about, you know, that event we went to the other day. And that's the other thing. I, I think a big thing about my journey was the connection of, from the online to the offline, that was very key. Okay. I think there's a huge thing about, yes, it's great to be connecting with people online, but that's kind of like you say, you know, the, if it's a sales funnel, it's the top of the funnel, right? It's like where awareness is, it starts create about yourself. People are getting, being aware of who you are, but you do need to create that, you know, like go through that sales funnel and create a deeper connection with people. Right. And like going to events, I was just lucky that, that those opportunities came to me. So I was actually the person that actually was paid to go to events, but also to meet people in person. So out of maybe 100 people or 1,000 people that were active in, say, Twitter or anywhere online, I'm probably one of the few that every, anyone has met in real life. So that was a huge bonding uh, happening when it when you meet someone face to face eye to eye is a totally different experience yeah absolutely yeah 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 okay <laughs> so I'm, I'm just recapping here so we kind of went from uh somebody recommending you try to reach out to these people for part of your grad graduate research for your phd work and um then ultimately you know needing a job getting a job for your status of remaining in the uk <laughs> Uh, so, so now we've got a job, we're live tweeting, we're speaking at events, and we're meeting some of these people in, in real t- life, and uh, they're still in kind of the government sector. Um, how, how did that kind of move from you know, being employed by that agency or the company, I guess, to ultimately uh, you know, moving to your, to your own? 
So basically what happened was um, I decided at one point that um, I wanted to really, I don't know if this makes any sense to anyone else out there or to you, Mike, but I was already on a path with social media that I was wanting to test a lot of things. And I wanted to accelerate my learning. Like I was learning so fast that government wasn't the place to be because there was so many bureaucracy, you know. Like, you couldn't open a Twitter account in this department for, like, six months after you put in the application. So, you know, so it wasn't, like, the right place for me to grow. And I knew that. Like, I, 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 I thought long and hard. I didn't really want to leave the government center, sector because I love everyone I've met. And, you know, they've been so kind to me and all that. But at the same time, social media just moves too fast. And but if you want to kind of be a, a person that's practicing social media and, you know, getting involved in projects that are exciting to you, then moving over to private sector makes sense because there's more flexibility. Um, but even then I had to decide, do I go for like an SME or small business? Uh, so at the time I thought SME would have been better. So I did like for uh, like two years, I did maybe eight months, eight months since like with, stay in a in an SME and then like you know kind of just even though I was a freelancer I was there like a full-time person so I, I knew how it works when you're like in a company and this is how you leverage social media so I was learning like do from government to to pri 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 private sector there's huge difference in how you yep. do social media yep. it's not the same at all well you know the basics are the same but but tactically and all that other stuff the policies they're all different so um so i got like a, a kind of a peek into how how is it's what it's like managing social media from a company's point of view and then i realized you know what i'm doing this for all these companies i could be doing it for myself and that's when i kind of like okay you know what it's time for me to actually you know i gained my confidence i think yeah. Um, and I now understood how it worked for business. And, you know, you really needed to learn that practically. You couldn't really just read books or take a course, I feel. Um, so the next step was I needed to understand how to do business. Yep. Um, because now I got the whole social media thing covered. Now I needed to understand how to set a business. So once I decided that I wanted to create a business instead of freelancing, Right. Things got serious, right? So what, like, what, what year are we now? What what did that? This is probably you know? 2012. Okay, I think yeah, I think about 2012. Yeah, um, and um, so I decided to uh, take a few courses. One of the courses I just want to mention that helped me a lot was the Social Media Manager School by Phyllis Care and Andrea Vall. Yes. I mean, yeah, I have to mention them because like there's just such great ladies and this is one of the courses that I think are different from any other course social media course out there because they teach you how to actually run the business itself right. uh, like a social media not agency but like a social media business so you could take the course even if it's a solopreneur course like you're a solopreneur um, and so from there I started as a solopreneur because they give you like kind of uh, examples of contracts you know these are things that you know they don't teach you in social media school do you know what I mean like this is the, the other part of the business um, that you need to know. So um, I took that course. I also took another course called B-School by Marie Forleo. Yep. 
Yes. I don't know if you guys know that. I'm just <laughs> dropping a few things. I just want I just want to share because learning is is a big part of setting up a business because I didn't have mentors, I guess, at that point, like who I could just look to and say, I want to go down your journey. Because there's not a lot of, at that time, I feel there wasn't a lot of people that kind of did that in my circles. Um, so, but the thing is, moving over to this, the, the uh, what do you say, setting up a business and moving into the kind of small business sector, I needed to start from scratch. Like, nobody knew me. <laughs> you know, like I moved from government to here and then I had that s- short stint in freelancing. I needed to reintroduce myself to the market. And this is the personal branding bit. So I needed to start from scratch. So this was like also a challenge for me because I was like, if anything I learned before was actually repeatable, this is the time to test it. So I basically kind of um, went through what, um, kind of researched my own journey and I kind of replicated the whole model again in in small business um, it kind of space or market. And it worked because, I mean, I guess it worked because that, I guess that's why I'm here talking to you today. <laughs> um, and it, it's not about, I think, um, it's not about uh, tweeting 24-7 or being on Facebook 24 hours. You know, I'm I'm actually the opposite of a normal social media person you would meet. I don't, I'm not constantly on it. And I, I need to kind of just say that to people because a lot of people misunderstand that. They're like, oh, I have to be on it all the time. I have to be visible all the time. It's, it can help, but the vis- being visible all the time doesn't necessarily equal more dollars in your company, I would say. It's about being relevant and being, you know, being useful. Like right. when you actually say something, it's something that actually, oh, wow, makes someone think or make someone think, oh, that's valuable, or, you know, just being a friend, um, and not like a lot of, just creating a lot of noise, so that's what I basically did to um, re-establish myself in a different market, yeah, being that, you know, again, you know, blogging is, I think, really relevant to any company that wants to kind of stand out, especially if you're trying to build an agency. Yes. Uh, um, you can't you can't ignore the content side. And I, I mean, I say this only because of my experience. Obviously, everyone else is different, and you know, I always say to people, you you could talk to another person; they're successful, and they can have a different journey. But this, I'm always only saying it because it was my journey. So, oh, somebody is coming in. Um, well, I'd like to continue with your story oh, okay. before I bring someone else in for a little bit. But we'll we'll uh, we'll bring yeah. some people at the end here. Yeah. All right, so the next bit was um, now that I've got all of that sorted, like I'm now running a business, yeah, solopreneur. A business entity, yes. A best entity, yeah. And I've, you know, I've kind of now established myself in the market because it's so important to first establish yourself and, and know that you can, in a way, penetrate the market because you understand them. Um, because the, the last thing you want to do is go into a market without understanding their needs and uh, their problems and you know because that's what social media is for for me at least it was a great tool to understand my market because I was doing a lot of social listening uh, I was connecting with a lot of influencers when I say connecting with influencers I would say not like ask you know like poking them asking them for help or anything it was more just being around their content being around the same people that they're talking to 
um, or just being part of the same circles. Um, I'm really shy. Actually, a lot of influencers really intimidate me, and I'm like usually shy away from talking to them. I'm just that type of person. But I talk to the people who talk to them, and I think that's really important because you want to be part of the community. You want to be, um, you know, part of the energy that comes with that community, and you want to know who to listen to and who's bringing value to the table. And those are the people you want to gravitate to because there's a difference between people who are. T- saying a lot of things and people are doing, actually doing things, right? And you can only see that by using social media tools to listen in on what they're talking about or what, listen in on what they they say they're doing. I like to focus on action, you know, people who are actually doing something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you were, you were listening to, to sift through what was, what was noise and what was action. Yes. Yes. All right. Okay. So we're, We've progressed from uh, student to an employee to freelancer to solopreneur, and uh, so that had to be. So talk about some of your first clients. So, I mean, were those in the? And I think some of them were in the government sector, but which is your background. So you're bringing across some expertise. Um, yeah, let's let you start there. Yeah. Okay. So this is quite interesting because one of my first clients, obviously, was government um, because of my connection there. But what's really interesting is it wasn't the stuff that I was asked to do, the projects I was working on, wasn't actually a- around social media. Okay. And this is for me was quite. I thought when I, 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 because I've told this story a few times, and it occurred to me that yeah, one of my first projects were actually to rebrand uh, as um, a local government website which is like quite a techie thing to do, right? It's like, and I had no degree, by the way, in doing this. I had no experience. And I'm like thinking, why would they hire me for this reason? Like, because I had no qualifications. I mean, I do have a diploma in computer science, but, you know, it was nothing around web design or, and it was a diploma. It wasn't like a degree. My degree was in business computing, but still, like, I thought there was nothing here to really point me in that direction. Um, But, I'm convinced now that it was because of my presence and my personal branding. People just thought, you know what? I just want her because I value her opinion. Um, and I want her on this project because I feel she can give value to this project. And, you know, we'll find stuff for her to do, which I, you know, I blogged for them. I, you know, I did some technical stuff, but it wasn't too technical. But, you know, what I mean, it's like I'm convinced that it was because of the personal branding because there's no other reason why they they would have hired me, you know, because and I did. I actually in the end, I have done around three government websites since. Okay. Um, And one of them is actually uh, one. uh, One wasn't government, but kind of government related is OECD in Paris. Like I was there for, for a few months. Uh, and that was also a great experience. I mean, OECD is yeah. huge. And to, to create a website for that, I just thought, why me? And by the way, I did the OECD one, I think about 18 months ago. And it was based on a blog that I did for the government sector maybe four years before that. Like, they like, I read your blog that's like four years ago, and I'd like to hire you. At that time, I was like, actually, I don't do that anymore because at this time I had already moved to private sector. I had said no to the offer in the beginning because I was really trying to move myself to private sector from public sector. But then they're like, uh, two weeks later, she's like, I still want you. I was like, like, okay, well, at that point, I was like, 
you know what she she it just came back at the right time when she asked me again and i was kind of more willing at that point i said okay why not let's do it but it just shows right the content was so old i thought it was four years old <laughs> but she was like you know what i after two weeks i'm i was looking and i still want you so that's not just evergreen that's massive green content i know i know i just like that's another story i feel like it tell all the time because i it just shows right the content is so important that you the, it's like trails you leave behind and your your footsteps that you leave behind and i mean i i could i i would say a lot of my jobs still come from the work i did six years ago like the blogs i did six years ago they they just don't fade I mean, I've left government now for probably three, four years now, and I still get asked to speak at events and do workshops for governments. So it's amazing. <laughs> okay. Now, w with that website, uh, maybe you can even post it in the uh, little the conversation here. I don't know if you're okay if we take a look at that uh, entity. Um, but did did you? Do the work on that or did you need to hire some team help to get that done so the oecd one i did myself okay um but i worked with their internal team okay um and then for the others there was like huge teams around me so um but that was the only one that i kind of i think more solo but embedded inside their team and, um, and they that's why they had you in the paris area at the office was to just just be there connected to what they're doing Yes, yeah, but I was building the site yeah. for them, yeah, yeah, but yeah, on top of that, you know, other clients, I would say there was a lot of NHS, I don't know if you know what NHS is, it's the National Health Service here in the okay. UK, okay. so that was um, also, um, that was actually to train up their doctors to use social media as an internal, you know, community sort of training uh, bit where they could connect with each other, that was cool. Um, what else? There was a lot of, you know, we would run a lot of workshops on um, how to use social media for crisis situations. You know, if there's a flood, if there's a fire, how do you deal with this? So we did a lot of simulations. That was pretty cool as well. Okay. Um, there's there's actual softwares where they generate um, uh, newspaper clippings, news videos, you know. How do you respond to, you know, false information that's been out, you know, put out on social media? How do you deal with that as a, as a department? So that was, you know, one of the really cool projects you know, that I worked on while, like, I was in the public sector. Um, while I was in the private sector, I did a lot of B2B. So B2B was, you know, just uh, a lot of LinkedIn and a lot of, you know, a, a lot of actually B2B mostly is about, solidifying your brand and um, most of the work is actually connecting with partners and and this is where I learned how mm. where partners are so important to a business okay. and I this is what I bring to my clients these days as I a lot of people think that going on social media oh we're gonna look for customers but the actual truth is I mean I love that you're just nodding there because <laughs> this is what I've learned personally I've learned that the only people who pay attention to our, my content or our content as a business is other people within the same industry. And uh, the customers, they're not going to look up, you know, hashtag SMM, you know, social media marketing. They're not going to do that. Like, only we are interested in our own stuff and other people within our industry. So most of the times the connections we make are other people. So 
but that's really valuable because where that that's the reason why my my business is grown because I've connected with other people in the industry, partnered with them, and that has allowed me to tap into their customers, and they've tapped into my customers. So we're we're helping each other because even if say you you were a social media agency, I was social media agency, we could be totally different, even though we're doing exactly the same thing. I mean, you know, areas and yeah, yeah, experience, yeah. Exactly, right? Um, and sometimes there's, like, I always see social media, I always envision it, like, imagine if social media was a car, right? And there's many components that make cars. There's somebody who does the paint, there's someone who, you know, puts the steering wheel on, or, you know, there's different components to the end product. And it's the same with social media. There's the visual element, there's the video element, there's the copy writing elements there's do you know what i mean it's like there's a lot of things that make social media work or that makes online branding work so well and you need all these components to i would say to create a full working sales funnel in the online world right so that's what partners are for and a lot of my clients is this is like through my own experience i find it fascinating is um, I have one client who's a tax accountant, and she, on, she, so we've been tweeting a lot of like cool stuff about her industry and stuff, and she got contacted by another tax accountant who said, "I would love to send some customers your way because your tweets are so great. I love the content you're putting out there." So, but for some reason, she said, "You know, I don't do this specific type of tax accounting." I want you to do this because I think you know it well because of the content you're putting out there, right? And that's, as I said, she didn't even want any referral fees. She just wanted to send customers to someone who she thought she could trust because of the content that they're putting out there. And that's where I like to use the word styler or stylist because I brand my clients to look like a pro. Like people look up to them like, wow, look at that. It's like almost like putting on a suit, right? It's like put on a suit, put you know, create tweets that really put them on a you know a level that people say you're a pro, you know your stuff. Uh huh. Okay. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I like that that pro styler term because that's that's been that's a uniqueness that that you differentiate yourself with. Yeah, that was what I was hoping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's go into the growth then. Okay, so from you know one person making websites yourself, doing the things yourself, to expanding that team and and just a little bit of that journey from uh, whether it was the you know fr- freelancers and contractors first and and how that happened. Okay, so um, there's some, actually some people on the call that I've actually spoken to maybe eighteen months ago. I said I want to. Be a solopreneur, and I never want to build a team. I actually said this like two months ago, and some people who are on this call would, you know, they probably would say, "What happened? This eighteen months ago, you say you never wanted to build a team because I did think it was going to be really stressful having people work for me." And you know, I'm a bit of a control freak. I'm used to doing everything myself. I build my own website, I do my own graphics, I do my own video. Like I practically do everything myself. So it was really hard to delegate to other people. I just couldn't bear the thought of giving some of what I'm doing to someone else. Um, But one day, I just kind of like, I'm getting a lot of inquiries. I'm turning them away because I don't have the bandwidth to take them on. And then 
I really started to kind of think, how am I being of service to people if I can't, you know, really, if I can't, if I can't share it with someone else, if I can't, do you know what I mean? I almost like sharing how I do things with another person so then they could um, help someone else. So that means, in a way, having an employee that I can train up and then give them the knowledge of how I do it and so they could help, so I could help more people as well. So I really had a thought about it and I thought, you know, maybe it's time to at least hire one person just to see what, what it feels like. So this was, I think, um, a year ago. So I hired one person. And just having that one person take away some of the like small tasks that I was willing to give away, <laughs> that, that I realized really helped me to expand my mind, like uh, the freedom of having the, just that little bit, that part of my mind that wasn't thinking about that other task. Yep. It really helped me to help my clients better. And I, that's where it really ticked for me. I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing my clients a disservice by trying to do everything myself. And I felt really bad. I felt like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm really denying them a better service and be- like better portion of what I could offer just because I wanted to do everything myself. So that's when I kind of like, okay, I've experienced this now. And it wasn't actually too hard. In the end, I gave my, uh, you know, that first employee more tasks and I, I actually realized I'm actually quite easy to please I didn't realize that myself I was like I thought I was going to be really critical of people <laughs> which is because I thought I was a control freak but actually when you put your trust in people I think they give back like they they see that you really want to um, grow with them I think that's another thing like if you just treat your employees or your staff member. I mean, I always call them team members, actually, because I always see them as equals. So I always, like, say, you know, even if you make a mistake, I remember, actually, one of my team members the other day, he said um, he made a few mistakes, but I was like, that's fine, you know, we're human, and, you know, you just started, it's fine, it's not a big deal. And then he said, if it was anybody else, they would have yelled at me by now. And I'm like, well, what's the point in doing that, right? It's like, there's no point in yelling at you. So, and I think when I actually said that, he came back and like worked so much harder. And I was like, I was amazed. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that impact was that much. But there is something about treating people as human beings and understanding that, you know, it's a process for them to adapt to your style is a process for you to adapt to their style. And sometimes it's a communication thing. Communication is key. Um, that's one thing that I don't let um, kind of slip. If there's a team member that I feel I'm not communicating well with, then it's unlikely it's going to be a good relationship in the long run. And I always do this. Um, I don't know about you, Mike, but I always have two-week sprints for anything. So if I take on a new team member, I always do kind of two-week sprints of either tasks or I always tell them there's a two-week window when I first hire you. I'm going to give you different tasks to see which one you do the best because even though I hire them to do one specific thing, I want to see if they could do other things too because you can never assume what someone can do until you kind of put them to the test. Mm -hmm. And uh, usually what I realize is like there was uh, one guy that I hired to do technical stuff, but he's actually really good at social media. So it's like, it's yeah. really bizarre how that happens. But that's why I think 
you really have to see when you hire pers- a person, you're hiring a person. And this person comes with wonderful skills that you have to kind of, you have to be patient. You have to be patient to explore with them. Um, and, you know, that's where I think you find A players, it, you know, you really, because they become A players when you allow them to be. Uh-huh. And just having, like, hiring the right people, that's going to help you to scale. Yes. Because if you have bad experiences, you're going like, to stop hiring people or you're going to stop firing people and you're going to stop scaling because you feel like, oh, this isn't working for me. And I've heard that a lot from people. They say, I hire a lot of virtual assistants, but it's not working out for me. It's really hard to find good help, which is true. It's really hard. But at the same time, we have to be really patient. Like, we have to be really patient to work with them. And um, you have to manage the expectations because when you first hire people, um, you got to, how do I put it? You got to work with them and train them up. So you you might think that, oh, I hired someone, I'm going to have less work. Actually, you're having double work. And you have to know that up front. You actually have to train them up. And if you don't have any documentation or processes that's ready for them to just follow, you're going to be probably working twice as much as you did before, just trying to get this other person up to speed. Right. And you have to know that. I think that's the one thing a lot of people don't talk about, I feel like, because they're like, oh, just hire virtual assistant. It's going to, like, clean your plate and everything's going to be fine. It is going to be fine, but it's going to take time. Yeah. So... They need direction. They need, you know, yeah. And and if there aren't processes, they need those processes. Exactly. And, like, that's why I I am a big believer in tools. And I use um, a project management tool called uh, Teamwork. Um, That's kind of like Basecamp, but if you ask me, it's better than Basecamp. (laughs) But um, I love Teamwork because it allows me to create tasks, create recurring tasks. You can even ask your employees so say if you had a client that's time based like you charge them on an hourly basis they have this timer thing so you could just uh, start the timer uh, when you start working and then stop it and create the billing automatically and so that's also a really great thing yeah. um, it integrates with Google Drive integrates with um, a harvest you know harvest is the time billing thing and it's just a wonderful tool. It's got notebooks and it's got messages. So this is the messages bit I really love because you know how things get lost in email. Right. Um, I always <laughs> I use Google Mail and I love I love Google Mail for for business. I use that. It's amazing. But there's just some things you want to keep on topic or on. Say if you're talking about a client, you just keep. It's like an email system within a client's project management folder or something. I. You know, if you create a project, it's the name of the client, and all the messages go inside of there. And I love that because everything that we've discussed about the client, it just goes in their folder, and you don't have to go in the email and kind of look for it. Archived and, yeah. Mm. Okay. And another, yeah, and another thing is, like, it's really great for um, creating a lot of task templates. Okay. So I have a lot of recurring things like, you know, social media tasks, you know, what are your weekly tasks, what are your daily tasks, what are your monthly tasks, and they just tick them as they go along. Because it's recurring, it recreates itself um, every week, say if it's a weekly task, so I don't have to, like, recreate the list or, you know, go back into an Excel sheet or anything like that. Everything kind of automizes itself, um, and 
at the same time, you see, this is the other thing. Social media, people think it's really easy to do. It's actually not really, it's not easy. And you need, um, when you're training up someone else, you you need them to do certain things. You, make, you have to make sure that they do them to make sure that the health of the social media account is always, you know, on a certain level. So that, you know, I put this very quite descriptive instructions on how, if say, if this doesn't work, right, if we're running a campaign and we're seeing that, the levels of drop. What can we do to increase them? So they have like alternatives within their tasks to say, okay, this this isn't working after one week. Okay, what should we do to increase it? So it's like gives them alerts on how to increase the momentum of the campaign. Um, what else is there? Oh, so I have a designer, and this is like quite a treat for me. Um, but uh, because I used to do all my visuals myself, but it takes a lot of time. And, um, like, we're our worst critic. Uh, I feel like if you're a creative person, you just know you redo things until you're blue in the <laughs> face. Yeah, yes, yes. So um, once I had it, so I had, a, I had a, I hired a designer, and uh, he's really, really great. But, you know, I realized that a creative person talks a very different language to a business owner. Even though I'm a creative person, it's just, it's just how our brain, we put different hats on and our whole brain changes, I think. So the whole um, project management tool allows you to uh, break down the communication and the processes. And we always go back to those steps. And um, we have a filing system. So because it integrates Google Drive, just things like labeling folders is so important. Like, okay, he taught me that you have to label them certain numbers. I just like to just put the titles on because that makes sense to me. He's like, no, I want, he said, I want to be able to say, do infographic number one because that's how his brain works. And so like, under, that takes time. We, it took us about a month and a half to get to that stage. And I'm like, okay, how do we make this easier? It's like, okay. So it's like that whole filing system of your assets, um, especially when you're doing online branding, social media, that you, you're going to have a lot of online content access assets and you you need to be able to retrieve them really easily later yes um, i mean i'm i'm the worst right i've got everything my desktop is always full of you know just screenshots and they're not filed or anything so it was a great learning curve for me as well to get a folder system going and making sure that you know everybody can find what they're looking for when they need it okay all right yeah. now as as i kind of wind this piece down here a little bit are the um are, are the team members all remote yet are, are any in your physical proximity they're all remote <laughs> they're all over the place and um oh yeah so there's there was actually one thing i wanted to stress on that um one thing that people always think is to have a team is you have to hire people and i actually forgot to mention this for a brief period of time last year I was building a team, but none of them were my employees. They were all partners. Like So I had uh, people who were blogging for me, but they were copywriters in another company in the UK. But they were like, I was, you know, they were part of my team in the sense that I did their social media for the same company and they did the blogging. Or they, you know, another company would do the videos or, you know, so you can scale still without hiring anybody. You could yeah. partner up with companies and agree on, you know, whatever rates that they want to charge you. 
and you pay them what you know they owe you or, or what you owe them, and then you you know mark up the price or something. Like that. But that works as well, and it gives you a lot of practice on how to kind of manage and communicate with other people. It was really really good practice for me. I felt um, so. If you're not ready, don't worry. But if you know you have the demand, because as a social media consultant, as you know, you're going to get asked to do email marketing. You're going to get asked to do websites. You're going to you're going to ask to do things that you've never done before. Don't be afraid of it. You know, look for other people that you trust. And this is where the whole social media networking with other people in the industry is going to really help because they're the people that you look to when you want to scale up and offer more services and become more of a like household name I would say like like a brand that people can go to and get all these things because customers they often look to get a lot of things from the, the same person that's yeah. more value for them right so like even if it wasn't you as long as they knew your project managing it that gives them peace of mind as the well trust. yes yes absolutely gotcha. yeah Excellent. That's all you, you're bringing some great stuff here. This is just awesome to, to listen to your story that you've walked out here. What What is the team today uh, what, in terms of number? Wow. Okay. Maybe, I, I don't know if you even can, and maybe that's, you know, I know there's part-timers or different things like that. Yeah. So a, a little bit about that and maybe, you know, some of the key roles. I, I don't know if they, what areas they work in for you. Okay. So I, I, I don't mind saying that I have a designer. I have a social media manager uh, and strategist. Um, I also have um, an ads manager because we do ads now. Um, this was the one thing that I used to do myself, but ads is a full-time job, if you ask me. Yeah, and, um, and let me clarify that. When you say ads, though, like Facebook ads can just be a full-time job in itself, and then there's yeah. Google ads, there's you know other platforms. So what does ads encompass for you? So right now we're doing a lot of Facebook ads, but we're doing all of them. So yeah. basically I partner with a lot of different people and some of them I actually still do myself. Uh, but we're like now I'm rethinking that because now we're getting bigger clients and we're getting bigger contracts. So we're looking at um, giving, it's more of an online advertising, not just Facebook ads because actually my own perspective on how ads works has changed as well being in the, you know, being in the trenches and all, I actually think it needs to be a combination of different platforms, not just like just Facebook ads or just, I, I do think, especially B2B, you have to spread it out. Um, and uh, so we're moving to like kind of bigger clients now that actually have the budget to do it. Um, and we're using tools to make things easier as well. So um, that's, yeah, so we, I have an ads few ads guys <laughs> around and uh, that one I actually partner with people because it's really hard to find you know just in-house talent because they're going to be super expensive obviously and uh, right now there's a lot of I, I think it's just the industry itself it's more of a freelancer sort of yes, place the at the moment realm. yeah 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 um I have a content strategist just to keep on top of everything um and I also um I have a copywriter um, uh, like to do for clients, email marketing, blogging, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Is there anyone else? <laughs> I think I have a general virtual assistant that does does about anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and and so, um, all right. I mean, that's just helpful. So, th and this all kind of started from 
doing a website at one point in time. You know, yeah. But, but e- <laughs> even as you were a um, live tweeter. Yes, yeah. yeah. Live, okay. live tweeter, live blogger. I know, you know, I also did a lot of video interviews at, at the same time, and uh, that, that really helped me because that was my kind of introduction to just going up to influencers. That, By the way, that's a huge tip. I know that social media examiners started that way as well. Like they went to events and they interviewed really big influencers, um, and that's kind of like how they got more exposure. And um, I kind of like the whole live tweeting thing. It, it, it kind of evolved on itself, and I just live tweeted. But then I said, "Why do I interview people?" And that opened doors to you know, I myself as a person, I'm scared to go up to people. But if you give me a responsibility that I have to, you know just just complete then i will do it because yeah. it's a job right um, yeah. <laughs> by the way i'm quite the introvert i might not seem like it but i am actually <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. all right so um and then so your, your clients have changed then now i guess one question is you know are you needing to expand beyond yourself as the main point of contact to to bring in new business you know so so is it gotten yeah. to that volume where you're not able to um you know be involved directly in that sales process or are you we are automating the whole sales process right now like but it's still in i would say in the process of building up um I am still very much the contact person, and I think I want to try to hold on to this position as long as I can. I know it's, like, not possible, but, I mean, the, the, the whole freelancing, when I did the freelancing gig, I think I learned from a lot of companies that when they do let go, that's when things slip. I actually saw that with my own eyes. So as much as I can, if I, you know, I will be the contact, the, the first point of contact until the whole... Um, you know, right now I'm building my whole sales funnel, and until that's complete, um, that's still going to be the case. Uh, you know, I just actually signed up to Infusionsoft, so I'm doing the whole marketing automation thing with my business, and I'm hoping okay. that that's going to help to uh, at least, you know, just automate the the lead generation process, and then allow me to to speak to more people and see how I can help them. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is there? Do you feel like there's anything incomplete that you want to share yet in your story? An area that we that we missed, or anything like that, that you would want to make sure you cover? Let me see. I'm just going to quickly check my notes. I know I wrote some few things here. Um, okay. Yeah. So one thing I really want to uh, leave is with two main things. Um, I. I think this is really important because we all suffer from this. I would like to say that it's so important that you don't get distracted by what other people are doing. Never, ever allow yourself to get into that that hole where you compare yourself to other people. Because the story behind the scenes is always very different from what people portray on social media. We really need to remember that. Of course... Um, you know, I do the odd humble brag, you say, I do that myself, but you know, it's still a hard journey for me. Like it's, you know, growing a business is not easy. There's a lot of ups and downs. And so the, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, even though it looks like it. That's what I want to say. Like, don't ever get distracted with what other people are doing. Just focus on your journey. I always try to benchmark myself with myself. Like, where was I last year? Where was I six months ago? Where was I two months ago? 
And that should be enough because you're doing it for yourself. You're not doing it for anybody else. So try not to get distracted. I know it's really hard with social media because everybody's talking about how uh, you know, amazing their lives are or how amazing their businesses are. But try as much as you can not to do it. When you catch yourself doing it, just look, say, no, look at myself. Where was I six months ago? And am I in a better place today? And that's all you have to worry about. That's the first thing. The other thing is, um, this is one thing that I continue to do, and I'm actually glad that I, I do this. I, I do a lot. I do small things and fewer things, but in a big and consistent way. Uh, that's how I like to put it. What I mean by that is I don't try to um, kind of do too many things. I try to... I, 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 I did kind of do this a little bit last year, but I, I quickly brought myself back and said, you know what, I'm just going to focus on, you know, my goals, which is something like, okay, I'm going to blog three three times a week or I'm going to um, put out an infographic three times a week. You know, like focus on like things that you can produce and action on rather than, oh, you know, I haven't been on Facebook today or I haven't been on Twitter today or I haven't into Pinterest or something like that today. It's not about the quantity. It is about the, the actual value you're bringing and the consistency. And also doing it, when I say doing it in a big way, is I always try to do something differently. So, um, for example, this is not um, a direct example, but say if uh, you were putting out wedding invitations, everybody will probably send out a card or send out a, a what do you call it, a Facebook message to their friends and say, come to my wedding and stuff. That's a normal way of doing things. But when I say do it in a big way, is you would probably turn up at the door with doves and the invitation. Do you know what I mean? Like something so different that will stand out in someone's mind that um, they'd be like, wow, that's different. And, you know, you put in a little bit more effort, probably, well, I wouldn't say a little bit, we probably put a lot more effort, but you become memorable. And that's how I kind of do things. Uh, like when I interview people, I, you know, I recently interviewed Mari and Melanie. And I'm not just going to put out their interviews. There it is. That's it. I'm actually building a whole website around those interviews and creating an experience around it. So you said that's what I mean. Like kind of like, yes, anyone can do an interview. But what? how do you bring your value to the table? Like if you ask for these people's time, how do you show that, you know, you appreciate it at the time. And it's not just about, you know, getting to meet them. It's about putting a bit of you in there and said no one else. And it's kind of like branding yourself as well. It's like no one else is going to do that. That's the Liz thing to do. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's what you want to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, th that kind of spawned a question for me then that uh, in the notes that we kind of went over ahead of time, you mentioned, you know, resisting the lure of the big paycheck that could steer you away from your vision. Okay, yes. I like that one, and I wanted to hear you maybe say a little bit about that and say a little bit about uh, the digital matchbox vision. Yeah, okay. So that was actually about something that happened to me maybe six months ago. So whenever you're building a vision or whenever you're building something that people are going to feel, like it's almost like when you – you have a vision, you're building your energy towards it, people are going to feel it. And that's when all the opportunities, especially for big, big companies, they start to recognize who you are because they can hear the buzz happening online. And they're like, okay. so I got an offer to take up a job at a Fortune 500 company. It was like 
thousand pounds a year or something. And uh, it took me two minutes to say no. I was like, you know what, nothing's gonna compare to what I have in my mind for my what Digital Matchbox is gonna do. Like, there's nothing, there's no amount of money that you could give me that can steer me away from, you know, my baby, basically. And yeah. Okay, I, they were wanting to hire you out of and into their company, not, not hire, they wanted to hire Liz. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and that's so tempting, right? I mean, like, when I think about it, maybe 10 years ago, I would have like, you're crazy. Why would you say that? Like, I mean, I didn't even tell my parents because I thought they would say I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like, are you crazy? Um, but, um, I mean, that's how serious it was. I was just like, mm, that's a lot of money, but there's no amount of money that could kind of make me feel the freedom I feel that, of owning my own company and of kind of just seeing my own creations come to life. It's just, it's that's, there's just no amount of money basically. I mean, I didn't mention this earlier, but you know, I, after all that, the stuff I went through with my PhD at the very last year, you know, all you have to do in the last year is write it up. And that was the year that I got so many opportunities to work as a freelancer. And I actually decided, well, do I actually go back into a hole and go and write my PhD or do I grab these opportunities with both hands? Because you know how it is, right? When people want you, it's during that kind of window of time. And if you go away and you go quiet, people are going to forget you. So it was almost like a crossroads for me. And I actually decided to, um, this is going to probably shock a few people, I quit my PhD. I didn't even finish it. Even though I had everything you know, there, I just had to write it up. Requirements, but yeah. Yeah. So I decided to quit and, but that decision was not cheap because, you know, I was on a government scholarship. I had to pay, I have to pay back every single cent that they've invested in me, which is, you know, to me, that's fair. That's fair. I'll pay back every single cent because this was some, my decision. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to grab all these opportunities because it's never going to happen again. And I actually feel happy. Like, this is the job I want to do. Like, I, I had, I already felt it. I already experienced it. I just wanted to take it further. So, you know, I'm carrying, like, a huge debt right now. But to me, that was totally worth it because of I'm able to express myself for who I want to be now without any restraint. And that, that's got to worth a lot more than any amount of money. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Liz, this has been wonderful for for me to hear your story in more detail and mm-hmm. to – I think it's brought a lot of value. I mean the things that you've talked about, about the, the ways you've handled growth and some of the key tools you use and how those things are going. Uh, so I very much value your time here. And uh, are there questions out there? Are there some things that uh, the audience has yet that they'd like to hear from Liz about anything related to her story or just about growing their your own you know social media agency I actually have a question for Shelly uh, earlier she said um, what was your tipping point when when you knew that you needed to add people to your team and that it was safe to do that so basically um, my answer to that is actually you it's like when you ask someone when is it when are you ready to have a baby I think sometimes you just, there's no good time, I think. There's no good time. And sometimes you have to just decide that you want to. I mean, at the time when I actually 
um, scaled. I didn't have a big client at that time. I didn't have like that extra income. I still I had the same income, but I decided that you know what I want to scale. Like my vision is like maybe you know five years. I know where I want to be, and in order to get there, from my past experience, it, it's always taught me that you have to start before you're ready, because you don't just hire someone and then they start producing the work that you hope for them to to do and at the level you want to do. I always knew that you have to, you know, train them up, and you gotta kind of create a company culture. There's so much that goes into it before you can even start getting the clients that you want. But at the same time, while I was doing this, I was like, I don't have the extra income. But I'm just gonna, I'm deciding this is what I want to do, and I know that if I decide something and I go with it, things will follow in place. You know, they kind of just come in, uh, just fall in place, and and that's what exactly what happened. The minute I actually started to hire someone, it, I think it also gave me that you know space in my mind to to think more and actually uh, I don't know. It's just something about it. It just allowed me to work more on getting clients as well. It allowed me more time to to do that. Um, so yeah, I would say there's no good time. You just decide if you decide you want to scale. And if you if your vision is to you know be a bigger agency, then go for it. Um, obviously, I, I would always say as, as a caveat is you have to be at least operating for two years. That's my caveat. I don't. I mean, it's up to you what you think. But I always think that you have to be at least a bit established because I've worked with companies that hire a bunch of people before they had a single client, and I just think that's that's totally the wrong way to go you gotta actually have proven concept that your business is actually working before you start hiring people gotcha proven concept before you start hiring so so some some track record of uh, we've proven we can do this we have a strength in this area you know here's solid business for us yes exactly yeah okay all right anyone else out there with a uh, question as we uh, get ready to wind us down here Thank you so comments, a lot of good yeah. feedback. Sorry guys, I haven't been reading. I will read it after this. Um but yeah, I'm just reading it. Do you guys have any questions? Oh, thank you so much for all the comments. Lots of good stuff that B2B is actually connecting with partners. Business yeah. Business, but connecting with partners. I, I just you know, so much agree with what you said there. I mean I think there's there's that misnomer that um, you know content marketing will just generate leads, but in, in our in the social media digital space, it's uh, I think there is. I mean, that's your content is read by others in the space in social digital marketing, um, but it's perhaps through getting to know those people that that's the partnership that leads to more business for you. So it's yes. not direct; it's indirect. It's through the relationships with others. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Relationship is the key um, because without those relationships, you're kind of just floating, I think, <laughs> floating and hoping customers come to you and trust you. Um, sorry, I just wanted to ask, Mark, what did you mean the keys to scale resources and bandwidth? Um, did, what, what specifically do you mean by that, the keys to scale? Yes, well, yeah. I think the key is just to 
to start and then you know when I think you get a gut feeling so I, I do operate a lot on, on gut feeling by the way okay, okay. <laughs> I do yeah I do trust my gut I didn't used to do that a lot I used to always doubt myself and that's probably also key to uh, to to uh, doing the PhD one thing I really really got from it is I learned a lot about myself and um, I, I learned that I didn't trust myself enough and I needed to do more of that oh right, I love okay. it. all right Mark. Let's bring Mark in here, and uh, Mark can go into a little bit more detail about uh, his comments, questions there. Blink by Malcolm Gladwell is a great book. Oh. Hi, Mark. Hello, Mark. Oh, can't hear you. I can't hear you either, Mark. Oh. We lost him, okay? Oh, he's come back. Oh, I'll check that book out. Thank you. Blink. Gut feeling. Gut gut feeling. Okay. Yeah. Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Cool. I was we we had that Myers Briggs. Okay, yeah, your MBTI. That. Um, so you've you've heard Liz speak here. So what what are some of the um, Myers Briggs types that uh, you you see right now? If if Liz is going to take this. Where's she going to come out on the uh, Myers Briggs personality type indicator? Oh, I'd love to know. <laughs> so we're trying to pull Mark in, but Mark was on a phone. There he is. Oh. Mark, are you there? Hey, guys. Can you hear me now? Yes. yes gotcha. Oh, awesome. So, um, you know, I, I've, uh, I've worked with a really large agencies and also small ones. And... You know, finding the work and doing the work are, you know, are, it's not the problem as much as it is, you know, there's only so many hours that you and I have in a day, right? And, you know, if you want to scale, it, 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 it's a resource issue. And, um, you know, you'd be surprised how, how difficult it is to find the, you know, those people that have the talent and the knowledge and the understanding to scale things. I mean, and so, you know, when I, when we, we all start small, but, you know, resources is, is certainly an issue, whether it's, you know, whether it's, you know, time, money. I always say time, money, resources, you know, and I used to have a boss that said that, um, you know, that um, if I wanted a tool, it had to follow sales, right? So, um, you know, it's kind of like I, I wanted the most shiniest things that, that I could have to, to make me do my job better, but he, he said, go get the sales first. And then we'll give you whatever you want. And, um, you know, so I could, you know, I, I swear to God, I think that all of us, you know, if we just focused on on sales, you know, we could bring it in, but you still got to do the work, right? And you got to, and it's got to be quality work. And it's got to be something that, you know, look, we want to keep the clients for as long as we can. And especially in, uh, in social and digital where things are happening so quickly, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, the growing aspect is is predicated on our ability to find great talent. It's so true, yeah. I mean, um, I, I take a lot of time when I'm trying to find talent. Um, I, I learned from my first mistake where I, I just hired because I was desperate to just have somebody, and yeah. I made that mistake, so I've learned. So now I actually, you know, I have, um, I have two probation sort of levels or stages. I have a two-week probation, 
and then I say, okay, after the two weeks is to do like uh, small tasks, different types of tasks, and then I have a. If you pass that one, then we'll go for the two month probation. So that's yeah. another probation. So yeah, absolutely, you're right. And um, the interviewing process is also very important. I think absolutely. that you have to ask the right questions and. Um, I mean, I haven't taken any courses on how to find the right talent, and uh, it's mostly on gut right now. And and you know what's what's really prevalent in our industry is just because you use the platforms or the tools doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to use them on behalf of, let's say, whether it's B two B or B two C, right? Yeah. Um, yes. I yes. mean, and, and I can't tell you how many times you know I almost see sometimes on resumes where where the, you know they claim to be you know, a social media practitioner, but then when it comes right down to it, even if you get them in an interview, right, all of a sudden you find out that's not necessarily the case. Yes, yes. I've found that so many times now. Like, I've interviewed so many social media specialists that now I kind of know that, I mean, it's one, it's usually that I would never really know if they're good or not through the interview. You really have to put them through the test, like kind of give them a test account. I, I do have several test accounts on every platform and I just say, okay, go. And I never, I always start with, I never tell them what to do first. I say, go do what you feel is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then, because I feel like there needs to be that innate, uh, you know, it's just that within them, the skills, the basic skills needs to be there. And I, that's something I cannot teach that you have right. to know what it is. Um, right. And the only way to know is by actually putting them in the deep deep end, in a way. <laughs> right, right. No, and, I, you know, the other aspect that generally most are missing is the ability to manage. And, uh, it, you know, if, if, if I asked somebody, I guarantee you, 90% of the people that I would talk to would not know how to to fire up and utilize Radiant 6 or Sysmos or, you know, half a dozen of the, of the measurement tools and monitoring tools. And... You know, so generally what happens is is that these folks fall back on, yeah, I know how to use Twitter, I know how to use Facebook, but, you know, do you really know how to use it? And if you are using it, do you know how to, me- do you know how to measure it, right? Yes, do I, yes. You know, do you know what you're to look for? Do you know how to, you know, because at the end of the day, um, you know, Mike brought up the part about content marketing, and, you know, that's, that's kind of the backbone of a lot of this, but we still have to have measurable results of all of our activities. Wouldn't you agree? Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Has to be able to translate to something. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that's the key is, you know, there has to, you know, there is a reason why we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like there needs to be some sort of, uh, you know, reporting, like we have like a reporting sort of time scale period, like internally we do it every week um, and with clients we do it every month. So, you know, there needs to be some sort of measurements and benchmark. We have benchmarks and we have right. comparisons and all that stuff, uh, all that good stuff. And the main, the other thing is uh, really key is to have access, you know, their their actual website traffic or you know all the, yeah. the all the stuff, you know, the Google Analytics. I almost like these days. I don't know about you, but like these days, I try to do what I know that will work for my clients. And I work a lot on WordPress, so I actually now only take people who actually have websites on WordPress. So you know, I could go in, put in any codes or, you know, ads codes. It just, it's one thing you, ha- you have to know, like, what can you do on your part to make sure that the client that you're taking on, that you can deliver all the results that you can. Because if you're using something else like Angular or Joomla, then I'm completely lost. And it'd be really hard to, you know, help them 
effectively. Right. You know, I see a comment here about uh, social media specialists, and one of the you know one of the things we always talk about is, would you rather have a generalist or would you rather have a specialist? You know, and mm. in, our, in our industry, you know that man, that's that's covering a lot of areas. You know, and you know sometimes I, I, I you know I almost say, well, just give me the generalist. You know, and you know we'll work with that person. You know, but hey, if if you if if a specialist did drop in my lap, I would take that as well too, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I can see the point of having a generalist, but like it, for for myself, I mean, I didn't answer this before, Mike, but my vision for Digital Matchbox is moving forward. I'm only going to hire people like that specialize in one platform. So I'm not going to have one social media manager that manages Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hire a Pinterest specialist. I'm going to hire a Facebook specialist. They're only going to deal with that platform because I know that with the changes that are coming through, they need to be obsessed about that one platform and they need to know the ins and outs and they need to know how to engage on that platform and what tactics to use. And, you know, it's almost like it's a full-time job just knowing how to use one platform. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I mean, I think that although I'm not going to turn that person down because I find that I'm still having trouble finding that person. Right. Yeah. I mean, good luck trying to find that person who's an expert in Facebook or Pinterest or, or, or Twitter, you know, um, and because a lot of them, you know, come from experiences where they're not, you know, for, you know, basically what you're asking for, they may not be that perfect fit. So you kind of say, okay, and you kind of brought it up earlier where, you, you know, you're going to train this person or you're going to have this person on a probation period, you know, and look, at the end of the day, you know, if the person, you know, understands the, the space, and that's pro- probably the most, the biggest ask that I want is, do you understand what's going on here? You know, and then we can probably work with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think in many ways, like, in many ways, I'm a generalist, and I hire specialists, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I understand the, the picture I need for um, a client, but, um, you know, the, the Facebook ads changes so often yeah. that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I can't stay up with that and and I can't stay up with that and Google AdWords and Yahoo Gemini Network and you know those different pieces so but I I know about those I know what some keys are some metrics but uh, then I I try to drill into someone who is uh, who knows exactly what they're doing in that one specializes in that yeah yeah yeah. I I, I totally agree with that and you know what Uh, probably the biggest change in our industry is that it's it's going toward it, it already is mobile but you know, folding that that mobile piece into into social is probably the biggest you know the biggest change that we're going to see in this industry. It's going to continue to evolve, and we're going to you know the, the the tools that we use, everything is you know mobile is the desktop now. So um, you know, with that being said, you you know the customer experience or the social experience is now a mobile experience, right? I mean, Absolutely. That's, that's the biggest change. That's yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to have to get a mobile. Man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, no problem. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark. So, yeah, that, that was really good. I mean, I could talk all day about mobile as well, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we might have to come back to that another time. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, this has been a wonderful uh, time for you to share about, you know, your, your journey and that has evolved into Digital Matchbox and, and the growth of that. So, uh, I learned things, 
by by listening to, to this you know I things that it helps sharpen me sharpens me in, in terms of what I do helps me reflect on uh, you know what I do in managing others and in, in helping clients so just very valuable I appreciate your time Liz thank you for having me Mike I just want to say thank you for everyone because they've obviously hung out for a long long time <laughs> We not only were late, but then, you know, we, we yeah, it's been more than 30 minutes, this whole thing. So I yeah. really appreciate your time, guys. Thank you so much. I will read all the comments after this. And if you have any questions, just email me or I think tweet me is probably the easiest place to find me. Um, Liz underscore ASEAN. That's L-I-Z underscore A-Z-Y-A-N. Uh, or my website, digital-matchbox.com. Excellent, folks. And that's all going to come together this as a podcast, as a video recording in um, a Halftime Mike uh, blog post. And so it's going to be on MikeEngrich.com. So, you know, look for that coming. And uh, Liz, I'll let you know when that does so we can make sure we push that out. But uh, appreciate your time again. You have a good evening. Thank you very much, Mike. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Halftime Mike podcast with Mike Gingrich. Remember, what you do in the second half can change the outcome of the game. Does your business need resourcing, tools, and social media consulting? Then visit MikeGingrich.com. Want to have Mike speak at your next event? Visit MikeGingrich.com slash speaking. Join us again for another episode of Halftime Mike your no-nonsense guide to victory on the court of life.